How does geopolitics affect real estate investing? When we've asked industry executives this question, a lot of people say it doesn't affect them because they don't invest in Ukraine or China or the Middle East. But the ripple effects of geopolitical conflict on real estate go far beyond where the conflicts are taking place. In fact, there's a measurable impact where it matters most, real estate performance, no matter where one invests in the world. We'll be speaking with Abby Rosenbaum, Associate Director at Economic Forecasting Firm Oxford Economics, and author of a recently published paper titled Concerns Over an Expanded Middle East Conflict Emerge, which examines what happens to real estate returns when geopolitical conflict intensifies. I'm Evelyn Lee with PERE, and this is Spotlight. So, uh, hi, Abby, and thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Hi, Evelyn. It's nice to see you and nice to meet you. I was really curious. How did you decide to come up with this report in the sense of examining the impact of geopolitics on real estate returns? How did this come about? So it's something that we produce on a quarterly basis when these scenarios are published um, we do provide an updated forecast accordingly, um, updated real estate forecast accordingly when the scenarios are published. Um, and we think it's important for us to, you know, stay apprised of what is going on in terms of other pieces that could affect our macroeconomic forecast and how those filter down to uh, the real estate forecast. So that's sort of where this report is driven from, that the, the idea that we want to make sure that we recognize that these macroeconomic assumptions can affect our real estate forecasts, and we want to make sure to include them each time that these scenarios are published. So one of the interesting findings in your report is geopolitical tensions were the top near-term downside risk, according to respondents in your global risk survey. And yet the most significant risk to property returns was a higher for longer interest rate scenario, not a geopolitical conflict scenario. Can you explain why that is? Sure. So let me give you some background in terms of our specific scenarios when it comes to geopolitical tensions. So we have two scenarios. Um, one is a Middle East escalation scenario, and one is an increased China-Taiwan tension scenario. So our Middle East escalation scenario is centered around conflict escalation, which triggers a historically significant degree of disruption to the oil supply. And then our increased China-Taiwan tension scenario assumes tensions between China and Taiwan rise significantly in the first quarter of 2024, but a major military escalation or outright conflict is avoided. And just a little bit um, of background, our scenarios are narrative-driven and not mutually exclusive. So for example, a source of higher inflation like rising shipping costs or energy price spikes can impact several scenarios, but the differences would determine the degree of shock duration of shock and spillover effects. And we see this in our higher for longer interest rate scenario. So an impact from higher energy prices amid fears of a Middle East escalation is embedded in our higher for longer scenario assumption simply because that escalation is the most immediate risk to global growth. And when the scenarios were determined last November, the higher for longer scenario was attributed a 20% probability. Our baseline probability is about 45%. But as inflation has continued to fall since then, the probability has also decreased. 
The scenario would, however, have the most significant impact on commercial real estate returns. I see. So meaning geopolitical risk also contributes to that higher for longer interest rate scenario, along with other decisions like what the Fed decides to do with interest rates. That's exactly right. Got it. Well, thanks for that explanation. And just maybe talking a little bit more about both of those geopolitical scenarios that you mentioned, um, the increased you know, China-Taiwan tensions scenario and then the Middle East escalation scenario. Can you talk more specifically about the impact of those two scenarios on real estate returns? Sure. Uh, we make a number of macroeconomic assumptions that then impact our real estate projections. For example, under the Middle East scenario, we assume an escalation of the Israel-Hamas war triggers a historically significant degree of disruption to global oil supply. Oil prices spike to $135, stocks drop about 10%, and central banks tighten policy due to higher near-term inflation. Global GDP is lowered by 0.7 percentage points. 10-year bond yields increased by 30 basis points, but crucially, the scenario is a short-term shock and the effects have faded within a year. Both of our scenarios that examine the impact of geopolitical conflict would negatively impact global real estate total returns. By 2025, we project returns would be about 3.7% below our baseline in the Middle East escalation scenario and 6.3% below our baseline in the increase to China-Taiwan's tension scenario. Rosenbaum adds that within each geopolitical scenario, Oxford economics does create mutually exclusive assumptions. In other words, the impact from one scenario will filter through the real estate returns forecast individually. Looking at the report, there, why, why does an increased uh, China tension scenario have a more negative impact on returns than a Middle East escalation scenario? So our China-Taiwan scenario assumes that tensions weigh persistently on the global economy as Taiwan and allies raise trade and technological barriers against China, and investor sentiment worsens amid conflict fears. The impact from the scenario would be more substantial overall, with economic effects persisting. We assume world GDP growth is down about 0.7 percentage points from our baseline growth in 2025. Meanwhile, the fallout in the Middle East escalation scenario is relatively short-lived and medium-term impacts on the global economy are limited. For example, in Q1 2024, global GDP is already 0.5% below the level in our baseline forecast and global growth um, amounts remain lower in 2024 overall. So those are the, some of the, the differences between the two scenarios. Just as a follow-up question, why would you assume the Middle East escalation would be more short-lived, a potentially more short-lived scenario than increased China-Taiwan tensions? Well, so I think really it depends on the, the macroeconomic assumptions that revolve around the two different scenarios. As I mentioned, it's um, the, the oil price shock from the Middle East escalation would be short-lived, and there would be some ramifications globally um, and within countries' economies to react to that. And so I think that given the fact that the increased China-Taiwan tension scenario is a trade war, that that would have um, a longer-lasting or you know longer-term impact versus the oil price shock that we're calling for in our Middle East escalation scenario. I also found it interesting that both of these scenarios 
have overall impacts on global real estate returns, but then they also have impacts in returns by sector. And those impacts can really vary. You know, for example, the increased China tensions uh, scenario has more significant um, negative impact on industrial returns than residential returns. Meanwhile, it's the opposite with Middle East escalation, where the residential sector would be harder hit than industrial. Can you explain that variation? Sure. So the variation is caused by the impact from the underlying economic assumptions on each sector. Um, so, for example, in the Middle East escalation scenario, near-term price pressures rise as temporary disruption to energy supply drives oil and gas prices higher in the near term, as I just mentioned. An impact from that would be real incomes are squeezed. That would weigh on consumption. And we assume that this would impact landlords' ability to push rents up in the near term, and thus that would affect residential returns. In the increased China-Taiwan tension scenario, tensions between China and Taiwan rise significantly. In Q1 2024, the U.S., EU, and other allies raised trade barriers against China. And in 2025, global export volumes lie around 5% below the level of our baseline forecast. Therefore, the impact to trade would affect industrial returns more negatively under the scenario. Now, let's move over from sector discussion to more of a geographic discussion in terms of impact. So under a Middle East escalation scenario, Asia Pacific would record the most severe drop in values over the next two years, followed by the U.S. and Europe. Why would Asia Pacific be most heavily affected by the Middle East conflict? So our expectation for Asia-Pacific to be most heavily affected by our Middle East escalation scenario is due to its dependency on importing oil from the Middle East. So a spike in oil prices would likely cause a shock to business confidence. Then that would in turn disrupt real estate investment. And in terms of, I guess, increased China and Taiwan tensions, how would that have a negative impact on trade, which would in turn filter down to industrial capital values? maybe expanding upon some of the points you made earlier. So in the increased China-Taiwan tension scenario, trade barriers reduce trade between China and key trading partners, and that leads to a diversion of trade to other economies. So the result is an increased cost and price pressures with reduced trade openness, and we would assume that this would weigh on industrial fundamentals, likely through higher vacancy and weaker capital values. You've explained how the trade sanctions on on China would have a significant impact on demand for industrial space and then industrial capital returns would be most acutely affected in three countries, Canada, Japan and the U.S. Why these three countries in particular and not China itself, China being a large uh, real estate market and also having a very large population? Exactly. So I think really it's the the impact from trade sanctions would vary at the country level. So in our increased China-Taiwan tension scenario, we assume that the trade barriers against China are raised by the equivalent of an extra 20% of trade values by the U.S. and Taiwan and 10% by the EU, UK, Canada, and Japan. GDP in China is hit the hardest, but China has a lower elasticity of industrial prices to demand than many other markets, so the impact to industrial performance would likely be less severe. Meanwhile, for other countries directly involved in the trade war, such as the U.S., we project that industrial performance would be weaker. I also had a question about your choice of geopolitical scenarios to examine in the report. 
you know, you've talked at length about both China-Taiwan and the Middle East conflicts as scenarios um, in your report. But I noticed you didn't look at Russia-Ukraine and its impact on real estate returns. Why is that? So that's due to the fact that our baseline view includes assumptions surrounding the war in Ukraine. Within those assumptions, we assume that the timing of the end of the war remains highly uncertain, but we expect tensions between the West and Russia, as well as sanctions, to persist long after any ceasefire. But our baseline assumptions um, anticipate that gas prices remain low and that the rationing of energy in Europe will be avoided in the winter months. So again, just sort of recognizing that that our scenarios are not mutually exclusive, but that we have the Russia-Ukraine conflict embedded in our baseline assumptions. So therefore, um, an additional scenario isn't um, necessarily needed in this round. Is there a certain time frame for when a geopolitical conflict becomes part of your baseline scenario? Is like a certain length of time that this conflict has been going on for a certain length of time and then afterwards it becomes part of your baseline as opposed to a separate scenario that you examine? So those pieces um, and the review of our scenarios, I believe, occurs on a quarterly basis. So it is something that is ongoing and that we do review each time we come out with our scenarios. So this is our most recent scenarios, but within the next few months, as we mentioned, the business survey is something that we use to assess those scenarios and which scenarios we should include. So there are there are a multitude of factors that we are assessing each quarter when we produce these scenarios. Rosenbaum says that while she can't speak to if and when the China-Taiwan and Middle East conflicts become embedded in the baseline assumptions, certain aspects of geopolitical conflicts do tend to be factored into the baseline. And to summarize our conversation, how significant is the impact of geopolitical conflicts on real estate returns relative to other factors you know, that are incorporated when looking at returns? And how aware is the private real estate industry of that impact? So if these events play out, the impact of geopolitical conflicts on real estate returns would likely prolong the current pricing correction and delay any recovery. And as we've discussed, each sector and each region and or country would be affected differently. But in general, real estate total returns would be lower compared to our baseline expectations in 2025. And I would expect, as I was mentioning in terms of when we produce this report and why we produce this report, um, I would expect that also the private real estate industry is staying focused on any potential uh, global impacts and how that might affect investment and um, strategy for their investment decisions. How would you say geopolitics ranks relative to other factors that affect returns? How high up on that list is it? I don't know if I can provide a ranking. I think really what I will say, though, is that, you know, macroeconomic implications are certainly a big factor in real estate performance. So any sort of impact that these scenarios or the assumptions from these scenarios would filter through to the macro economy globally at a country level, it's certainly something that we would see would filter down through the real estate industry and the performance, you know, um, at a sector level, at an overall real estate industry level, there certainly would be an impact. But I don't know if I can necessarily rank geopolitical tensions accordingly. It's more the macroeconomic piece. 
Performance is not the only area where geopolitics has a significant impact on real estate investing, however. So be sure to check out PERE's February cover story, Private Real Estate's Collision Course with Geopolitics, for a deep dive into how geopolitics is changing the direction of real estate capital flows globally. You can find that at perenews.com or at the link in the description. That's all for today. If you want to hear more episodes of Spotlight, you can check us out wherever you listen to podcasts or at PEI's various titles online. For PERE, I'm Evelyn Lee. Thanks for listening.